All right, let's uh, let's get going over here. Let's get going over here. So, okay. we're going to pick up with um, we're going to begin to uh, continue on the first half of this year with the Sharon Betfila, which we've known from Rosham Shampikas. And last week we left off with uh, focusing on the idea that Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants us to invite him in. Tefillah is the invitation of that we're inviting Hakadosh Baruch Hu to a conversation. And Rosham Shampikas explained to us that the psychology very often of people is that we don't want to ask for things. People like being givers more than takers, and tefillah sometimes makes people uncomfortable. Because we say, oh, you know, uh, you come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and there's reasons why we don't want to ask for things. Sometimes you don't want to ask for things because we don't want to be takers, and that could be good mitas, and sometimes we don't want to ask for things because we're too arrogant to ask for things. And then, it's, you know, it's, he taught us to be self-aware. But ultimately, we have to remove whatever logic is there and realize that the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the invitation of a conversation, which is tefillah, is a crucial aspect of, of davening. And therefore, we don't, we don't rush in to uh, davening and, and uh, rush out of davening, but a big part of Kavana, like we've, been, like we've been learning, is the setting that we place on tefillah, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels welcomed into the two-way conversation. So today we're going to pick up with a very interesting machlaikas between the Ramban and, and the Rambam. Okay, between Maimonides, the Rambam, and Nachmanides. They have a fascinating machlokas as to what is the essence of prayer and what is the obligation of prayer. It's a world-class dispute. Crucial, crucial dispute that we have over here. Oh, it comes down, Rabbi Yisrael. Good. So here we go. So the Ramban and the Rambam argue. So the Rambam holds that daily prayer, we'll just start, perfect time. Daily prayer, he says, is a mitzvah de oraisa. A biblical, there's a biblical mitzvah to pray once a day, says the Rambam. Every day to have a prayer. Is that applying to women also? Everybody. Mm-hmm. It applies to everybody. So... That, that's the Rambam's opinion. We'll see soon how, did it, how it could apply to women. Where, did, where is that pulled from, from the Torah? In Sefer HaMitzvah. Well, the, the, well, this week's Parsha we'll get into. But we come to the Yamsuf and what, what we do, we started crying out to the Rabban Okay, we're going to focus in on that. The Ramban argues. The Ramban says there's no biblical commandment to, to pray daily. Rather, says the Ramban, listen to his expression. He says, you should know that, you know, it says in the Torah, to serve Hashem with all your heart. He says, that's referring to Torah. To serve Hashem, the Rambam holds it's referring to davening, to serve Hashem with all your heart every day. The Rambam says, tefillah. The Ramban says, no, that's Torah. The Chinuch says, in Mitzvah Toflam and Gimel, what he counts as Mitzvah 433, he says, yeah, there's a mitzvah to pray, but there's no set time to pray. Therefore, he says, the, the, the source of the dispute of what is tefillah and the obligation of tefillah is as follows. The Rambam says, means every day, but the Ramban says, no, to serve Hashem every day is, is Torah, However, 
you know what the biblical command is? Listen to this. The only time there's a big obligation to daven is when you have a problem. When a problem comes up, that situation created a tefillah obligation. So the Rambam says, daven every day. The Ramban says, you could wait for the problem, but once you have a problem, if you don't pray, you lost the mitzvah. Because a biblical mitzvah starts as soon as you are in an tsar. Okay? A time of tsara. Now what's tsara doesn't necessarily mean tsaris, difficulty. What it means is a narrow space. And a person in a narrow space. Now this is touched on what the Mordechai brought up. And that is in this week's parsha, we have a fascinating situation where Klal Yisrael comes to the Yamsuf. We have the water in front of us, the mitzvah chasing us. The Medrash tells us the angel of Esau of uh, uh, Above us, wild animals, we had nowhere to go. So what happens? By Yitzhaku, we, cl- we cried out to Hashem, and we davened, and Hashem says, all right, just walk into the water, everything will be okay. Now Rashi tells us <clears throat> that when we cried out to Hashem, on, on that word, by Yitzhaku, this week's parsha, Tafsu umnas avosam, we grabbed onto the craft of our forefathers, mm-hmm. and we prayed. That's what it says. So the question that Oli Bali Musar asks is, how is this grabbing on to the craft of our forefathers? There's no atheist in a foxhole. Avram davened, he established Shacharis. Because Avram knew to daven to Hashem. Yitzchak established Bincha. Yaakov established Marev. We get stuck, and we get put into a pinch, and now we start screaming out. And now you're going to tell me that's the same prayer as our forefathers? Tafsu umna sabosu, it's the same craft as our forefathers, so that's the question that's asked, and the answer given is the essence of tefillah, which is, what happened at the Yamsuf was, we as a nation got to a point where we actually lived within that moment the way that our forefathers always lived. And that's the answer. A tzara doesn't mean a difficulty. A tzara means I'm in need. Avram Avinu, was he at the Yamsuf stuck, nowhere to go? No. But he lived his life and he established Shachris in a way where I'm com- I completely need Hashem in my life. That's where his tefillah stemmed from. And Yitzchak's tefillah stemmed from there as well. And Yaakov's tefillah stemmed from there as well. And when we got to the Yamsuf and we got stuck, realizing that we completely depended on the Rebbe it was at that moment that we reached the level of our forefathers. It took that to get us to the awareness, to the realization that there's only the only the Rosh That's it. That's me. We grabbed onto the craft. So a different setting, but it got us to the same understanding. But that's something we should all be having. That's something we should all be having, and that's the message. Says the Ram, says the Ramban. That's the Chiyuv Dairais. The Chiyuv Dairais is when we, which means according to the Ramban, it's fascinating. I you might be, have more opportunities in your life to have a biblical prayer than me. Because if you're more aware, like we're saying, of times in our life where we're completely dependent, so when you have that epiphany, you have a chi of dairaisa to pray. Hashem, I need you in this. I, I, I need you in the next moment. I need you to help me walk up the stairs. I, I need you to help me walk up the stairs and w- without it hurting. I need, to help, I need you to help me see things as we're going to get, when we get into the brachas. The more aware we are, the more mitzvahs we can fulfill. The less aware we are, says the Ramban, you're not gonna, so you don't have the mitzvah daraisa until you have this awareness. Incredible.
says, When I heges mitzvah zu bechol makam bechol zman. He says, so what's going to happen? Practical halacha, halachic dispute. According to the Rambam, if I go to sleep at night and I didn't pray that day, I transgressed. According to the Ramban, it's if a person got to a point where they needed Hashem, that realization, and they didn't turn to Hashem in prayer, then you missed, your, you, you, um, you missed out on your mitzvah. So we have a, this is a halachic, like a real uh, uh, fascinating dispute between where the Rambam and Ramban are going. Now you can obviously, listen, we're not going to take sides over here between the two. You don't stick your nose in, uh, you know, in, uh, in such a conversation. You say the Ramban is, is beautiful and it's very attractive and it's very understandable. And the Rambam as well, the, what the Rambam may be sharing with us is no, you got to pray every day. It's not about being in a, in a tzara, is that sometimes you can have a yid who's not aware of this reality or doesn't get to a point where I'm in but says the Rambam, you still need to pray. You still need to pray, even if you're not going to nail it at its deepest core of what tefillah is. Is that the deepest core of what tefillah is, is a... Um, is an, an understanding of how needy we are in front of a Kaddish Baruch. Okay. He says, This is coming out of a fascinating practical halacha lemaisa. As soon as I feel there's something happening that I need Hashem's help, all of a sudden everybody's in agreement. Rambam and Ramban, there's a biblical command to turn to prayer. The Rambam says this daily. The Ramban says, so as soon as I bring myself to an understanding that I'm in need of something, I'm cer- I certainly have a biblical obligation in prayer. Now I want to pause here for a moment and just take a, a broader view psychologically. When we're dealing here with tzara, it doesn't mean, and I hope we're articulating this properly, it doesn't mean that we're always afraid it doesn't mean that we are doomsday, uh, you know, Hashem, like this world's going to fall apart. And is that, we have, there's a difference between psychologically, a very important difference between awareness of something and creating fear around something. This is something I could just say I personally... Um, struggle with at times figuring figuring things out. I'll just give an example that goes on within my family. Okay, so I don't allow my children to have sleepovers in other people's homes. It's a no-go. Not, it's a non-starter for me. Why? Because I know too much. I know, too, I know what goes on in people's homes and I trust everybody and I trust nobody and my kids will not sleep in people's homes. And not only that, when my kids want their friends to sleep over in our house, they have to come at least two at a time. Not one. That's be at least two. I can't afford that in 30 years, 40 years, somebody with mental illness goes ahead and says that my wife did something, I did something, one of my kids did something. I need that. I need to protect myself. Now that reality that I'm saying right now very well might just be fear-mongering. Might be, might, it, it might be enough for me for people to just be aware that stuff goes on. That, 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 that there's stuff that happens. People have, th- you know, and and but 
to, to not trust people and to make such strong gedarim. It's not like I advise people to do that necessarily. It's with the experience that I have. This is just my comfort zone right now. Okay. But I think that's very valid. It could be. Wouldn't, Hashem wouldn't be giving you those feelings could if be. it wasn't to protect your children. Could and, be. And that's a part of taking care of your children. It could for be. you. Right. It could be. But that's that's part of like a... But I don't know. I don't know. That's something that, that me and my wife need to figure out. Is this... Is this an awareness thing? Because it's it's important to know there's a difference between it's important to be aware that things go on, but it's wrong. Every time something goes on, you don't need to call a community wide asifa and speak about this big problem that's happening. It's not necessarily true. Very often, things that go on are not a rampant big problem. It's an individual circumstance, and it's a unique case. And uh, to and to blow it up is is really fear mongering. Um, and and it's it's important to make sure people are aware to know of something, but to go to go how, how far to go. There's this balance. I'm just using this as an example of right. you know something that I personally need to uh, need to figure out. Now, the, the same thing holds true with tsaris. With tsaris, what do you mean tsar? When we're in a narrow place, there's a, we have to make sure that we are people in our relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We're not fearful. Catastrophizing. No, is that the word? Catastrophizing. Yeah, yeah. Imagining the worst. Right, imagining the worst. Right, that's not healthy. Right, it's not healthy that when a person calls out to HaKadosh Baruch, this is when I want to articulate and clarify that, it's the, that the Ramban is saying to bring ourselves to a place where like doomsday, you know, there's like a problem. The Ramban is saying that, but to be aware is putting ourselves into a place where I know I'm in need. I'm aware that it's not natural that my heart's beating it's not. It's not nature. There's, it's it's the Shalom making each of our hearts beat and our brains work, and breathing and the oxygen in the room and everything that just go on and on and on and on and on. It's awareness. So now I know I need Hashem. I'm not afraid. Again, I'm not afraid, but it's an awareness, and that's the tsara that the Ramban is talking about. The Ramban says. When I know I'm in need, not that I'm afraid, but when I know I'm in need, so that is what obligates me, this awareness obligates me to, to now turn to Hashem and Tefillah. And either you, in, in a way of praise, or in a way of thanks, or in a way of need, or in a way to, to send that up to HaKadosh Baruch. Okay? So that's the Rambam bomb on a daily basis. I mean, Correct. The Rambam saying anyway, on a daily basis, you got to do this. Now, what is Shema? I mean, does it, is that is that a prayer? It's a preparation. Is it supposed to say that twice. You know, is that mm-hmm. fit into this? Shema's a prayer when you're saying it as a prayer. Shema's Torah when you're learning it as Torah. And afterwards, I'll get into that. Remind me because there's there's some practical uh, halachas that could come out of that. That it's one of those things that depends on what you're doing. Will depend on um, certain things you're allowed to say at various times. Oh, and the shachar in the morning make you so aware. Good, that's right. So that's what we'll get into, Yeah. So if he says there's a huge nafkmini here. Somebody already died in the morning, so you fulfilled according to the Rambam. You're done. You, I mean, biblically, you're done. But if you're on the way to business and you're like, oh my gosh, a business. I mean, I need Hashem's help with this. You notice, uh, you know, everything is siyata dishmayas, and now all of a sudden you notice that what happens according to the Rambam, you got your tefillah already, but according to the Rambam, you're mechuyev. You're obligated to to now uh, throw uh, throw up a prayer, Again. right? Yeah, every time, every time. 
Omnum Lashita Sarambam, according to Rambam, Kfar Yotu Dechavosai. I already prayed. Avola Rambam, Nishaibi Darizlis, Balak upon Tilak Katsar. You gotta at least throw up, a, throw up a short prayer. You gotta notice Akadish Baruchu, Bovavi. You gotta bring it in, right? He says, You wanna. You want to get into how long the prayer needs to be? Fine. He said, just make sure that if you want to fulfill the myths according to the Ramban, you have your, your uh, tefillah in there. Okay. I'm going to skip a few paragraphs the, because he, he expounds on this idea a little bit. I want to move along a little. He says, He says, bottom line is, according to the expression that we're using in the Rambam and Ramban, what we're learning is that a person should ultimately take their nature, again, what we're learning on Thursday nights, take their nature and tie it to the ultimate source of salvation. And create a second a nature, Lizaka is Tamid, thank you so much. Lizaka, Lizkar Tamid, Miuza Amid Karve, love Tamid, the Shmayat Sakas Lashia, and know that the Rabbi Shalom is always there to, at our side, but we need to invite him into the conversation, like we learned previously, in order for this Tfila to have its ultimate, uh, its ultimate impact. He says, he says, and as far as the importance, of bringing this nature into ourselves, lule. If not for let me give you a parable. Guys traveling on a wagon. There's such a beautiful parable. However, listen, I just had this Tuesday night. Tonight's Monday. Last week Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. We were outside, and my four-year-old Isaac. He started complaining to me. What's his complaint? The moon is following him. <laughs> He's trying to get rid of the moon. Everywhere he goes, the moon's following him. Ta, I don't want the moon to follow me. Yeah? Enough, like enough. <laughs> He's had enough of the moon following him. Right? So, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is great. It's not much like the Rebunisho, right? Which is, in my own way, I took a message like, as Yidin, or any person, try running away from the Rebbe Shalom, you're not going nowhere. <laughs> you're not going nowhere. Right? The Rebbe Shalom is here. Like, he's not, you're going to hide behind the house, the moon's still following you. The Rebbe Shalom is here. We're not going anywhere. Right? So that, was, that was my own uh, marshal. But he says like this. He says, when you travel, and I'm sure we've all what experienced this. Son? Huh? What did you tell your son? Uh, tell the moon to stop following <laughs> yeah. no, you I told him to tell the moon no. to stop following yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just told him I shouldn't put the moon in the sky so you're going to see it whether you like it or not but uh, you know um, I just want him to stop complaining but uh, he was fine but when a person's in motion there's a very important idea that Shamshan Pinkus brings out it's Gavaldic when a person's in motion you're going down a highway, you're going 70, 80 miles an hour. You focus on a, something out in the distance. Let's call it some trees. There's some trees out in the distance and you're going very fast towards the tree. What does it look like is actually happening? The trees are moving, not me. Yeah. Right? You ever had this? Sometimes you're sitting in a parking lot and the car next to you starts moving. You think you just started rolling. You're like, oh, vey. Like, oh, you quickly push the brake and you're like, you're not going anywhere anyway. 
Just in there. Trains. 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 Yeah. He says, listen to this. He brings down this as a parable. He says, a person who's traveling, you're on a train going through a forest, let's say. It looks like the trees of the forest are rushing to you. That's not really what's happening. Because you're going so fast to them, you have this, it seems like it. The ain ha'ayin mavchenes bezem midras the ayin can't really figure out who's running to who. Kain hu bedavar zem mamish. He says this is exactly the point I'm trying to get across with tefillah. Shabeshas tzara. He says, listen, when a person notices that they're in need, they have a tzara. I'm in need. I need outside help. I need the rabbanu shalom to be matzliach in this. Here's what happens. Rots hakadosh baruch hu kaviyachol umeskar ladam. When, as soon as you notice that, what Hashem does is He starts coming to us. He starts running to us. God says, oh, there's a tzara, I'm with you. So here I, here I come. But to our eyes, Right? Who's running to who? Who's really in motion? So the moment that we put ourselves into a place where... We say, Shalom, I have a tzara, so now we think we're going to him, but really, the Rabban Shalom is coming closer to us. And he says, this is the trick of, of davening in a way of bitzur, davening from a place of tzara. As soon as we get to this place, so now we, we open our eyes, now we have a whole new uh, perspective, and that tr- even though we just put ourselves into motion, but really, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be, um, is going to be running forward to us. Okay, just want to end off uh, uh, from Rav Shamshan Pincus at least with one more idea, and that is tefillah, <clears throat> um, as we've been learning in previous classes, is, is not primarily from a sitter. The sitter is the structure that is put into place, but tefillah is, is b'chol lashon, it's really in, in any language. See, he, he just, to bring this point home, of, you know, we're talking about tefillah in the place of Bitsur to bring this idea out. So he, he quotes in the, the final chapter of the, the topic of Bitsur from the Ravid. The Ravid writes, Lahalacha, um, that there's a machlokas whether tefillah should ideally be done in Lashon Kodesh, in the Holy Tongue, or in any language. So the Ravid writes, There's an opinion that the Malachim are the ones who bring the Tfilas in front of HaKadosh Baruch Okay, the angels bring the Tfilas in front of Hashem. Malachim only speak Lashon Kaidish. They don't understand other languages. So there are opinions that say that if you don't daven in Lashon Kaidish, you don't daven with the Holy Tongue, so the Malachim can't bring your Tfilas in front of HaKadosh Baruch Avol betzibur, when he daven with a minion, so a minion doesn't need malachim. The Gemara tells us, Shechina Shura, the divine presence dwells within the minion. We don't need malachim bringing our tefillahs anywhere. Okay? So then by a minion, it says actually, when you're davening in a shul, everybody's going to be in agreement, you could use any, any language you want. When you're davening biachidus, davening individually without a minion, so there are those who say that try your best to do. Lashon Kodesh, because you're relying on the Malachim, whatever that means. 
in shul, when there's a minion around, so the Shekhinah, the Kaddish Baruch Hu understands every language, obviously. You don't need the Malachim, you don't need this intermediary, so to speak. Set in shul, any language you want. Whatever, Spanish, you know, whatever, whatever you want. Um, he says like this. So what's the trick? So, however, what we're learning is if a person davens from a place of or a place of emotion, a place of need, and there's tsa'aka, there's a calling out, for the needs that we have, I don't need the malachim either. The gates of tears and the gates of, of uh, the, the, the gates of pain, so to speak, right, of need, are never locked. So he says, what, what the whole dispute about which language davening doesn't start, A, if you're in the shul, davening with a minion, and B, if you're davening from a place of bitzor. If you're davening from a place of need, daven any language you want, because you're not relying on... The only time you're going to have the dispute is when you're davening individually and you're davening uh, w- without any sort of understanding. So then we say, okay, that, so then use the words of the sitter and rely on the malachim to bring it, uh, to bring it in front of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He says... So too, when a person davens with this expression of bitzur, we should know that these tefillas also go directly up to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. No intermediary needed, and the tefillas certainly are uh, guaranteed to uh, to be accepted. So okay, we're diving out of bitzur to begin with, right? As it says, when should you? When should you? Rambam says you should daven in the time of bitzur. No, the Ramban says that every time you're in a place of bitzur, the biblical obligation starts. Okay. You could dive in other times too. And so at that point, any language is fine. Exactly. Once you're in bitzur, every language is fine. Now, as we learned in the first class, and we didn't get there yet, but there's either 10 or 13 different expressions of prayer. Bitzur, davening from a place of need, is one expression. There's other expressions, which is shaiva, that's the next category. You do davening from a place of yearning for a connection. Sometimes you daven from a place of of uh, gratefulness. So you daven from a place of that. Yeah, B'ritz Hashem. But right now we're, t- we're dealing with uh, this style of prayer, which is uh, talking about bitzur. Okay, let's now ship, uh, uh, move over to the other sefer we've been doing, Sha'inivi uh, from uh, Rebaran Feldman, and uh, using some of the notes that we have here. And uh, we're going to continue going through... We've already gone through the early morning blessings and the brachos atayra, and we started going through the first four brachos um, of brachos Shachar. Um, the last bracha we ended off with really two number four brachos. One is shleisani isha for men, and we discussed that, and we discussed shasani kirtzane made me according to his will, which is a unique, fascinating, beautiful bracha that only a woman who is created from a place of kedusha because she's made from a neshama from. Uh, a human, while a man is made from dirt, so a woman's coming already from a holier place, she, she's able to make Shosani Kirtzainai, and this leads us to the next category, the first four are one category, and the next category of blessings are going to be thanking Hashem for our physical capacities. Okay, there's four blessings specifically um, that are going to be in a row, and hopefully we'll get through these four uh, this evening, and that is the bracha of Pokeach Hivrim, Okay, what to have in mind when we say this bracha in the morning, Pakeh of of um, giving sight to the blind, also a, a fascinating expression. 
Malbush Arumim, to dress, to clothe those who are unclothed, naked. Matir Asurim, to untie those who are bound. And Zokev Kafufim, to stand up those who are bent. So let's go through each of these, uh, each of these brachas. So the sages teach us that a truly wealthy person, truly wealthy person is, what's an Ashir? Ayin Shin Yud Reish. So a truly wealthy person is somebody who has their health, their physical capacities. Ashir, Ayin Shin Yud Reish. According to uh, some, I've seen this some Sfarim, stands for Einayim, eyes, Shinayim, healthy teeth, Yadayim, healthy hands, Raglayim, and healthy feet. Right? If a person, these are various parts of the body, but a person has health, so this is, uh, this is Ashirus, this is real, this is our real wealth of Shalom Shadran, who we quote all the time, the specific story he says over when he was six years old, so there was a shoemaker that, um, that uh, would work late into the night, and one night, six-year-old Shalom Shadron is walking by the shoemaker, and the shoemaker is schwitzing, and his storefront is open, and he says to young Shalom Shadron, he says, Shalom Ke, when I was young, I gave up all my health to make money. Now that I'm older, I'll give up all my money just to have my health. Right? That's, that was his muse that he says to, to Rav Shalom Shadron. So, when we dive in the morning, we have to realize that what we're, especially with these next brachas that we're making, is these are crucial, uh, you know, crucial expressions of gratitude, and expressions of gratitude includes the noticing that we need it for the future, and only HaKadosh Baruch Hu could give it us for the future, how important this is to our own service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the fifth bracha is, Give sight to the blind. Okay. Um, so giving sight to the blind, when we say this brach in the morning, can have uh, two interpretations. One is physically. There's a, there's a, this is, I've experienced this in my own life. Something right in front of my eyes, I do not see it. The reason why I do not see it is not because I can't see and it's not because I'm too old to see, and it's, it's because their bunch of them didn't want me to see it then, and he may want me to see it never, which means our eyes don't naturally see. Something is there when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to see it. There's a wild story from my sister-in-law's family, I don't know if you heard of Moshe Sternbach, Moshe Sternbach is the guy of Yishlai, the Sternbachs, big, big family in, in uh, in uh, England, so they had a very unfortunate story in, that took place in Eretz Yisrael with one of the granddaughters who had. Uh, te- uh, this is before you know before all these uh, uh, asthma inhalers became very common and easy to get. She had a terrible case of asthma, I believe as a teenager, and they used to keep these tanks uh, near her, and they they kept tanks everywhere just to make sure. Lamaisa. They, she had an attack. She couldn't get proper air. They couldn't find any tanks. She passed away. She passed away. They came back from the Leviya. There were five tanks in the house. Mm. Right, right in front of them. Right, right in front of them. Nobody took it. Nobody brought it back. Nobody in the family was able to see the tanks. As I is, this is, this is the, the family story they tell over. That's, <laughs> it's not like there was any... any they push it. Their Rebunishan didn't want them to see it. They don't see it. And the, when we say Pekeach we're saying HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you control not only our ability to see, 
on the like the eyeball end, but also what is actually seen. It's a declaration. I know that anything that needs that anything that needs to be seen, and you should know this is a this was a sad story. I want to tell you something. This could work to our advantage in such a beautiful way. I have friends, and I'm not I'm not the oldest person in this room. I have friends who they don't see things that other people see when it comes to inappropriate things. The Rabbanishim does the same thing. If somebody zaycha, if somebody has a zchus, and there's something going on, the Rabbanishim will make it, you push it, don't see it. You don't see it. You're not going to see it. And we could have him for this, Papa Geachim, Rabbanishim, please let me see what I'm supposed to see and what's healthy for me to see. And help me not see what I shouldn't be, what I shouldn't be seeing. What I shouldn't be. And you have to... In, in a deeper way, there's a book put out uh, about the Reb David Trank. Yeah? You met Reb, Reb David. Reb uh, David Trank. Is a, they put out a book called Just Love Them. Tremendous, tremendous mechanic. Doesn't need any of us. The, a tzaddik, 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 tzaddik. So he was, he was one of the rabbis in Adelphi Yeshiva. There's a story about him. Reb David Trank. There was a boy who came to Faher. He came to take an uh, entrance exam for Adelphi Yeshiva. This is a different point, but it's, it's, it's worthwhile bringing out. And he's, he was there over Shabbos. Shabbos afternoon, there was another guy. Adolfi Yeshiva took him projects. They took him projects. They had good enough of Van Hala to take in kids who needed help. Huh? What's the word you use? Van Hala? The administration. The administration. They were, they, they had, uh, you know, they were willing to take in kids that other yeshivas wouldn't take in. So this boy is there, and he, he's resting on Shabbos afternoon. This boy is there for entrance exam. And there was another boy, a ninth grader, who came around looking for batteries. On Shabbos afternoon, in a yeshiva, mincha time. So this boy, who's there for an entrance exam, when Reb David Trank met with him on Matzi Shabbos to give him his entrance, he said, no, what do you think about Shabbos? He says, I can't come here. He says, why not? He says, there's boys here who are Machal Shabbos. So David Trang said, it's not true. Boys here are not Machal Shabbos. He says, Rabbi Trank, this Shabbos afternoon, there was a boy who came in looking for batteries. And David Trang said, I don't believe you. He said, Rabbi Trank, boys here are Machal Shabbos. And Rabbi Trank said, well then, this is not the yeshiva for you. Because to me, boys here are not Machal Shabbos. <laughs> he doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. That's it. He doesn't see it. It doesn't happen. Now, you could say, wait, you're fooling yourself. It's not a matter of fooling yourself. There, there's, there's something happening here. He, he simply didn't, it didn't exist in his world. There are a bunch of them, even if it, it could be right in front of you, you're not going to see it if you care about something too much. Or you're chashuv enough, or you're spiritual enough. You're there. in a matzav. The rebbeinu he he got to a level. Where he he didn't see these things in people. He didn't see people sinning. He didn't see it. He was more sophisticated than the rest of us. There are people who are simply not sophisticated enough to see that things are more than what meets the eye. People judge yeshivas. They judge shuls. They'll judge communities. 
people judge schools by seeing a few kids in the school that do things or a few members that do, uh, do and this is a show where this happens. That is a, such a, it, there, there's so much more than what's going on. There's so much more. There, there's more to it. There's depth. There's the, you, you got to see the, you got to see the, the path that people are taking and the depth and the good. So when we say, when we say, you open the eyes of, you open the eyes of the mind. So b- both physically and also in a, in a way that we live, in a lifestyle that we live, we're, we're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be able to see Kedusha. That's what we want to see. Hashem, please open my eyes <clears throat> to see Kedusha. Included in Kedusha is, Baruch Hashem, all of us here are aware of the Rabbani Shalom and everything in the world. We see the beauty and everything around us. Beautiful. Yiddish Shdo, we have a beautiful house, we have a beautiful world, we got beautiful. You see, you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu and everything. There are people, they can't see it. They don't see God in things. They don't see the Rabbani Shalom. And we're saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please open our eyes to the dazzling array of beauty that you have in the world. Please let us see this. That's by Keach Hashem, uh, I, I need the Hashkacha Pratis. I need the Siata Deshmaya to, to guide me along, to be able to see things that are, that, uh, to be able to see you and to be able to see your beauty in, in everything that, that exists. That's the fifth bracha. Okay. Six bracha. Mal Bisharumim. Blessed are you, Hashem. Malach um, King of the Universe, who clothes the naked. Okay. So again, in a very basic sense, we're thanking Hashem for the ability to have money, to be able to buy clothes, and for the sense to be able to buy clothes, because some people don't know what clothing means either. Right? Some people are just, <laughs> clothing is not clothing. It's just whatever it is. Okay? So, but on a, in, in a more real sense, what we're saying is that no other animal in the kingdom needs clothes. Clothing is what shows that we are a spiritual entity. Because we, have, we are a fusion of spiritual and physical, we're a guf and a neshama, therefore we need clothes to cover over the guf so people can actually see us for who we are. No other animal in the kingdom needs that because... You're just a dog, that's what you are. You're a lion. There's not, nothing to cover over. There's nothing else that needs to be, uh, there's nothing else that uh, needs to be brought out. So when we say, blessed Hashem will close the naked, we're thanking Hashem for giving us our dignity as a, as a human being. Yeah. But with Adam and Chava, they weren't clothed. Initially. Initially. Because they were the neshama. Before, before the sin, right, right? Because they just had that. I think that's exactly this point. And it's interesting to find the more, the, the less into the body that people are, the less need for clothing. You don't call a two-month-old baby naked. Go get some clothes on. The baby's two months old. The baby's two weeks old. He belongs in a diaper, right? And the same thing holds true, uh, you know, at various points in our lives. If somebody's sick, if somebody's sick, and they can't wear clothing, or a person's, let's say, in a hospital gown, are you going to say that that person is inappropriately dressed? No, I'll tell you why we're not going to say that in a, in, a, in, a, in a beautiful way. It's because they're in a state where they're so, either a baby or a person who's ill, it's, no, it's not about the body at all anymore right now. When things stop being about the body, you don't need clothing. When things are no longer about the physical, a, a baby's just in a shama. Just an ashamah doesn't need clothing. A person who's a person who's ill is so unfocused 
on what on the on on their pleasures. They're just this is a body that Hashem gave me. I'm trying to heal it. They're so focused on the important side of things. It doesn't need clothing. The the clothing is needed more when we have the the uh, physical side like functioning full throttle with like importance. And it's interesting. The less you get what I'm saying over here, like the the so that's what happened prior to Adam and Chava. They did they, they they didn't need it because they the same way an animal doesn't need it because it's all physical. They didn't need it because they were spiritual. There's nothing to cover over. That's not me. This, this isn't me. So what's the big deal? Yeah, I'm I'm a neshama shining forth. But after the avira, when the goof, the body's taking the dominant place, so now we need to cover it over so that we could start seeing each other's neshamas. So the clothing, when we make a bracha who clothes the naked, we're actually thanking Hashem for giving us the ability to have clothing so that our neshamas could be seen. So, yeah, so that's that's really the um, the message in 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 uh, the, in bracha. What was that? Number six, right? So we had pakeach ivrim to be able to see malbush rubim and clothing. All right, let's go two more brachas and then we'll hold it here. Uh, bracha number seven. Which is Malbasharumim uh, Matir Asurim. Blessed are you, Hashem, who is Matir Asurim, who releases the bound. Okay? There's a lot of forms of being bound. Again, like in all the other brachas, there's a physical form of being bound and there's spiritual forms. Let's focus on the, on the physical one, because that's one that we're, we're all supposed to think about, and that is it's, a, it's a, a bracha to be able to be straight. It really is. It's a bracha to be able to be straight and, you know. Maybe we've all had these experiences. I've had this. I've had a experience uh, recently, just this past summer. I don't know what happened, but two thirty in the morning, my whole body locked up, and I could not move anything besides from my arms, garnished, could not move anything. Very frightening feeling. Okay, what was it? I don't know. No, afterwards we went for X-rays of this. The only thing they were able to blame it on was was uh, muscle spasms or whatever it was, could not, for three days, could not move. My body just, my body locked up. I couldn't get dressed. I couldn't put up. No clue. Softball. No, no clue what happened. Huh? Softball. So, what, softball caused it? Oh, no, no, that was, that was something that I know. Okay, so I ran too fast. I pulled the hamstring. That was something else. That's Tom getting, that's, that's Tom moving on. This was, I was laying in bed, and at 2 in the morning, my, my body locked. They locked for us. I don't don't know what happened. So, so I was I was bound. I was bound. We have skeleton. We have bones. We have muscles. We have the, 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 what what allows it to like just you know stay looped up and being able to move. What allows this to happen? It's a bracha. For, it's a it's a blessing from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And um, the uh, you know the to to keep in mind that. The, the joints that we have are are not just things that work naturally and and um, you know the the, the ability to uh, to move around um, now in a broader sense in a more spiritual sense what does it mean to release the bound is that there's many things that get in the way of our freedom sometimes without with us not being even aware of it um, I don't think this is something that we need to think about every morning but it's important to share. Such a beautiful concept. It might take us to to the end. I want to get one more bracha in after this, but um, 
everyone's got midos, okay? Uh, midos are character traits. What else does mida mean? A measure. Mida is a measurement. Mida connected to mida, measure for measure, right? This mida, that mida. What is the connection between midos and mida? Character traits and measurements. So I want to share something that I, I uh, share with people at various times. I have an aunt, Zechariah uh, Levracha. Her name was Esther Pickholtz. Okay, my aunt Esther Pickholtz. She was my father's older sister, uh, I believe, and she was a relationship therapist. A relationship therapist. And she would, her husband was a Talmud of Taravadas and a conservative rabbi. Went on to become a, a rabbi in the, in the conservative movement, which led to a lot of excitement at Tendler functions. Became a very uh, exciting thing, uh, you know, on different sides of the machitza, got excited. But be it as it may. So my Aunt Esther would, would say, and rightfully so, to people who are in any relationship, she would say, You're going to notice the things you like the most about the other person, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's a sibling, is going to irk you like crazy once you actually spend time with them. For example, let's talk about uh, a marriage, classic marriage, okay? So a, a, a stereotype situation. So you have a woman that says, I think that guy is so phenomenal because he's just so relaxed about everything. So relaxed, everything just flies great. Well, what a guy, what a guy, okay? So they get married. A week after they're married, the guy's just sitting on the couch, he wants to watch TV, whatever. And she's like, would you go do something with your life? What are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean? Uh, it's what I do. I, I am, just chilled. I just do, whatever. What are you? Chilled out. Yeah, chill. So it's the same media that you, that you liked about him before. That, or what happens? You have somebody who's a go-getter. Right? It's a go-getter. Oh, I love him. Everything. And they get married. And it's like, would you slow down? They just want somebody to sit next to me on the couch. Put their arm around me. Right? Like, cut it out. But that's it, and so on and so forth. The things that very often early in a relationship, and it's with anybody, it's like you, you could find interesting and you like, you have to realize like that's just what the person is. Okay? The emes is. This is the truth to who we are. But the emes is, the Rabbani Shalem demands more of us. And I'm going to move away from what my Aunt Esther would teach us. It's good to be aware of. Again, not fear, it's awareness here. It's good to do it. And the Rabbani Shalom says, take your midos and make midos. Every midah needs to be measured. It's good to be chilled when people are, you know, not being nice or whatever. But if they're speaking Lashon Hara about other people, you can't. You can't just be that same. You can't use that same temperament and have that same personality. You can't always be that person that you were created without developing that into and creating measurements around your midah. This applies to, with generosity, with compassion, with frugalness, with uh, any, just name it, everything. It, it, a, a person who's uh, frugal with themselves. Okay, it's nice. Uh, does that mean you're, you're frugal with tzedakah? Does that mean you're frugal with uh, Hashem wants us to be generous in it. So 
the, the idea that the way people are are just consistent, the Rebbein says, take your midos, it's a beautiful idea, take your midos and create, and, and, and create measurements around them. This is all part of it, a deeper way of releasing the bound. Because Baruch Hu makes us with midos, makes us with measurements, and he gives us the ability to be released. He gives us the, the, the help to say, Hashem, you made me with this midah. It could be a beautiful midah, but I need to work on that beautiful midah. Anyway, any midah I have has, has boundaries and limitations around it. And, and you're the one who's going to help me be released from, these, from the boundaries of the midos that, uh, that I actually have. Okay. To, we got up to, we're, we're up to bracha number eight. We didn't do eight yet. That's the Zaykev Kafufim, but uh, Bezjam. Next time we have the shear, we'll pick up from here.